Welcome to the uh, November 11th Veterans Day edition of Silver Screen Previews. We welcome you across the Instagram Live platform and also on Buzzsprout, which can be heard uh, on our podcast. There we go. So you can check that out and tap on to find us there. Welcome! I'm your host, Rob Martin. And on the other side of the aisle, we welcome back returning co-host, Callie Cox. Welcome back, Callie. How you been? Hi, Rob. I've been good. Thanks for having me back again. Oh, it's fantastic to have you back. Listen, uh, the big buzz this week is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Wow, you know, everybody's talking about this film. Everybody wants to go see it. It's, uh, it's you know, it's the sequel to Black Panther, obviously, the 2018 movie. Uh, what did you think about it? Oh, my gosh. Well, this movie had me crying in the first 10 minutes, so I feel like that's that's always a good sign, or, or bad sign, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But um, first and foremost, this movie is a beautiful tribute to Chadwick Boseman as a whole, um, just as a piece. So that was that was really nice to see. Um, it's a bit, I thought, in spots, a bit of a departure from the first Black Panther in some ways, but mm-hmm. I think that was probably necessary due to the circumstances they were under. Um, but this movie just has so much heart. Um, and technically, it's obviously very well executed. Sets, costumes, special effects. Um, the score is something, something the MCU does extremely well, is score. Um, they're all very exciting. And Letitia Wright is an absolute standout. She really stepped it up to the plate and filled that sort of lead role in Chadwick Boseman's absence. So anyway, overall, if you can't tell, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I give this movie a big thumbs up. All right, so thumbs up from Callie Cox uh, this week right here on Silver Screen Previews on Black Panther, a.k.a. Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. Callie, let me give you some info on this film and everybody else who is checking us out live right now on Instagram Live. This is a PG-rated th- uh, action-adventure, th- uh, you know, kind of, you know, superhero movie, as you, you know, you yeah. think of Marvel, you think of superhero movies, obviously. Directed by Ryan Coogler, and it's in theaters now on wide-release basis. Uh, stars Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, Winston Duke, and Lupita Nyong'o. The people of Wakanda fight to protect their home from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of King T'Challa. What did you think about that aspect, uh, Callie, about the world powers being involved in, in, in this uh, situation regarding this this metal, uh, what do they call it, the metal, 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 vibranium? Uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting um, to kind of get the the rest of the world involved, get, getting the real world involved, um, something they sort of teased in the, in the previous film. Um, and I, I think it's nice because it kind of grounds the MCU in a little bit of reality, which is strange to say about a superhero franchise, but, but the more you can connect those threads, the more, I don't know, I feel like it, it lets casual fans in a little bit more. No, definitely. Uh, uh, people that have never seen the, the original Black Panther, you're missing out on a, a tremendous film, obviously, because Absolutely. of Chadwick Boseman. And mm. you, you think about the magic there, the way they constructed, the way the DC universe, uh, the DC, the, the more I always keep confusing oh, well. these. <gasps> they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. It's not oh, DC, it's Marvel. It's Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that on purpose. I wanted to see anybody else just try and, and jump at me through the screen. Uh, see, we're <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're gonna get you, Rob. We're gonna get you. Look, <laughs> to me, the, the the beginning of this film of, of uh, Wakanda Forever, 
uh, is a great tribute to Chadwick Boseman, and they show the highlights and all that stuff, and the, the, you know the uh, funeral proceedings that all happens in the first act. So there's nothing here I'm giving away really. Uh, but in in the end, though, I thought well, I, I was very disappointed because first of all, the movie is too long. It's almost uh, yes. three hours long, people. I mean, can you wrap this up in in, in a nice two hours? I mean, I mean, do you yeah. agree, Callie? What what is going on here with the editing these days? I don't know. That is that is maybe my biggest complaint about the MCU as a whole and a lot of films. I feel like I say it every time I'm on the show, there's at least one film that I complain that it's too long because <laughs> I I'm a big fan of under two hours. Like a tight ninety is my sweet spot for films but yeah that is one thing that you know i you sort of know when you go into a marvel movie it's gonna be like a long time gear up get some extra snacks yeah Um, but yeah it is it's hard because i i they want to get all of this story in and you can't really do it in last time but also like maybe there are some spots where we could tighten up the dialogue or or do something or (laughs) maybe like one or two less of these like sweeping landscape shots you know what I mean? You know for example that clip that we just showed at the beginning with uh, you know that that nice little uh, interaction between three characters there and and it seemed like a bedroom Uh, was that really necessary? (laughs) I mean come on (laughs) Yeah I mean I guess you could you could argue that it's necessary to establish a care like character relationships but yeah definitely a lot of scenes like that I think in, in general, uh, could be, you know, t- tightened up. Yeah, I mean, that's why they have these uh, extended versions or director's cut uh, of these uh, movies in the first place is to have a almost three-hour movie. But don't kill the viewer when they're sitting in their chair and then they got to worry about going to the bathroom, getting food, uh, you know, their ass is asleep, you know, all these different kind of things that people have to worry about during these kind of long movies. I mean, Titanic people... Fell in love with the movie. I'll give that a, as an example because yeah. it, it was just a constant movie. You were hypnotized by uh, Leo and, and, and Kate Winslet. It just kept driving the movie. You were interested. You kept going there. Here, there's a lot of unevenness to the movie, which unfortunately I thought that was a detriment to it. No? Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I, it is, you know, one of the other things I want to say about the length of these films is I think the way it hurts. The Marvel movies in general, I'm using specifically talking about now, is that it does alienate the casual fans. Because if you think about it, like as someone who's you know grown up with the with the series, has read all the comic books, loves these characters, they're going to sit through a three hour movie, no problem at all. But as someone who is a little bit more of a casual Marvel fan, the idea of sitting through a three hour movie is like kind of daunting. So I think it, it does yeah. it, it does kind of scare some people away. I think. Yeah, and on top of that, I have more complaints, Callie. Uh, there is no fun in this movie. Where did the fun go with the first one? Look, I know I know, Chadwick Boseman is gone. I know that. I understand that. And they cover it. But then afterward, it seems like everybody's a damn android. What happened here? Again, there's too much CGI here to cloud the viewer's perception of the movie. It feels like you're, you're inside a carton, an uh, empty carton, and you're trying to you know, bounce your way out of the carton because everything is kind of lifeless. You have two warring factions here. That's fine. Uh, but it just seems like it's very aimless and very uh, subjective to unnecessary uh, fight sequences, no? There are a lot of fight sequences. And I will say that this one, mm. um, I wouldn't say it lost, uh, the, for me, didn't lose, like, 
the fun, which to me is like the the quippy dialogue and things like that. The first one really, really leans into um, and is one of my favorite parts of the movie. I, I do think they lost a little bit of that in this one, which I, I think was to serve the story in a way, but also, yeah, I, I did I did miss a little bit of that. Yeah, that's and so for for that purpose in itself, the lack of funness, too much CGI. I give unfortunately this movie a thumbs down. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, because you you hold Black Panther, the original one, in such high regard that it's very hard with the circumstances you're dealt with in the script that you try to you know establish more new characters to take the place of Chadwick Boseman, and that's an impossible thing to do. So. I mean, the, with the cards they're dealt, unfortunately, you, they could have done other things to to make this movie more, or I guess less in time wise than what it was. Uh, you know, going <laughs> backwards. We don't need more. We've spent five minutes talking about it. We don't need more. <laughs> right, exactly. We don't need too much more. So let's see if there's a part three to this. All right, let's move on. Our next film tonight on Silver Screen Previews is The Friendship Game, an R-rated horror mystery thriller directed by Scooter Corkle in theaters today on a limited basis and also out on Vudu and iTunes today. Stars Peyton List, who you remember from uh, Cobra Kai, and Brendan Mayer. A group of teenagers in a small town discover a strange object that tests the strength of their friendship. So here's a clip from the new film, the Friendship Game with Peyton List right here on Silver Screen Previews. The Friendship Game, a brand new film out today with Peyton List. All right, Callie Cox, uh, were you scared with that clip right there? Maybe that old lady, uh, maybe she well, could say she's an old lady. She looks like she's in her 50s. But <laughs> it was kind of scary, no? Or were you not perturbed at all? That, that scene in particular, I mean, I love that she's just called the old woman, I think. Like, that's her character name, which drives me crazy. You're correct. She does look like she's in her 50s. Like, can we Can we not? Um, but Mira Smith is the actor who plays her, and I loved her. <laughs> I thought she was great. You know, a little creepy, made me laugh a couple of times. But yeah, this I really like the concept of this movie. I mean, there are other movies that are similar, but I can't think of one that I have seen that's specifically set up in the way that this one is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, with like the the idea of it being centered around a game um, <laughs> about their friendship, which I thought was I thought was super an interesting concept. It's definitely not without its flaws. We'll start there. It does get a little bit repetitive a, a bit. Um, mm -hmm. There's a couple of lines of dialogue and maybe like a couple moments in general that kind of made me roll my eyes to maybe go a little like <laughs> yeah exactly. i don't know about that um <laughs> it definitely the ending left me with more questions than answers which i didn't mind actually um in this particular case but and then i thought it was paced pretty well i think it kind of slows down a little bit in act two and then it kind of ramps itself back up so if you kind of get yourself through the particular section that i'm talking about but yeah i thought peyton list leads the cast really well um i already mentioned miriam smith who i love had me, made me laugh creep me out yeah i actually i think i have a pretty unpopular opinion but i actually had a good time watching this one you like this one interesting do you remember the craft i don't think i've seen <laughs> you see, like any movie from like twenty years ago, I think that's like more recent, and, and, to, and to everybody else is like, my God, I've never seen that movie, but I never heard of it. I, I've heard of it. I do know what you're talking about. I just don't think I've ever seen it. I just think Rob is getting old. I am getting old. 
Jesus. No, it is really sad. <laughs> if anybody has seen the craft, uh, I guess you know, write down in those comments, uh, comment section below. If you've seen the craft, and can you draw a comparison, even with a, maybe even Hellraiser being you know the cube, and this is like a ball, like a you know with a thing inside of it. You know, if anybody has seen those movies, uh, you know, make yourself known because we want to hear what you have to say as well. Because Callie, in this kind of film, does the the the, the part that Peyton List plays because she's the lead character here. Do do you find it convincing that the script that was given to these actors was plausible? Was it was it a winning script? Do you think? I think the actors do a lot of heavy lifting to kind of sell the script. I definitely think that that is the case. I think, like I said, I think the concept is really there and I think it kind of had some beats it knew it wanted to hit and kind of like knew where a little bit of where it was going. But then I think if you read it on paper, you'd probably have a very different reaction than watching Peyton List and her fellow castmates kind of bring it to life. I definitely think they do a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting there in their performances. (laughs) All right. So final verdict, you said you give it a thumbs up. I yeah, that's that's a great thing. You see, uh, I gave it a thumbs down, even though I really wanted to like this film, and I'll tell you why. Because I, I thought that the movie, uh, instead of building on the horror object, it kind of confuses the viewer with all this uh, groupthink of boring characters. Uh, aside from Peyton List, I could not, for the for the life of me, wonder why they didn't go in a different direction. And I have ideas. I come to the table oh. with ideas. Yes. All right. Let's say. Let's transform this script into a body horror movie, okay? And I'll expand on that because I think the the, uh, the screenwriter, Damien Obert, made a big mistake here. And maybe he could have sold it to the studio in a different way. Uh, here it is. Here's my idea. You turn the device into a body, a body horror thing, meaning uh, once it bites you, the person that got bit, another cube grows inside of their body and gives birth to it somewhere in the body, you know? Okay, and then pops out from somewhere. I mean, I'm not gonna say you where, but you know, you can. You have an imagination. You can figure it out. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there's one. Or you can make it a truth or dare device. Uh huh. You know, like it's been done before. But the the key is that in this case, you'd make it to the point where there's repercussions, deep repercussions, very gory ones. Uh, in the truth or dare scenarios, what 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 do you think about those ideas? I really like that. Um, both of them, really. But the first one is super interesting. It kind of reminds me. I am like trying to remember the name of the movie. I can't remember, but where they had a um, this girl and she has a device in her and she is like kind of being controlled. She can like hear it in her mind. Is um, it is it come again? No, no, it's um, I don't know. But anyway, it kind of reminds me that like a good way it'd be interesting to kind of you can see the object sort of mm. taking control i think that is really it is it the one where she's in a coma and she's walking down the street like in the middle of the night by herself in her some kind of like hospital gown no it's like something from it it's been like a year since i watched it but that's the concept <laughs> general it sounds I call it, yeah yeah um that was a good yeah, movie yeah oh, i missed that movie. i think leaning into kind of like kind of what you're talking about but i think just leaning into it, it would have served them well to lean more into the game part of it yeah interesting because it was a yeah. little bit not as much of a focus as you think it might be there you go i mean i thought 
thought that they just concentrated too much on the on the uh, the whole aspect of the friendship thing instead of concentrating more on the device and getting some stuff out of that. You know, I just they could have done yeah. much better on that. Uh, in the end, I think Peyton List has a great career ahead of her. She just needs to pick better roles. She's got the clout now that she's done Cobra Kai. She can do more better stuff than this if she wants to. You know, yeah, it's up to yeah, her. Yeah, I I will be watching for more from her. I think she's great. Like I've said before, I think that she, if the project uh, uh, presents itself, she should be the new Madonna, uh, as a young Madonna, because that would that would make sense. Uh, I'm talking about like huh. late late teens, you know, twenties Madonna, you know, when she's at you know the height of her game, you know, like we're talking yeah. about the mid '80s, mid to late '80s. That would be a perfect role for play, for for Peyton List, Madonna. There you go. Yes. So let's see if we can get push that through. Maybe somebody's listening. Who knows? Maybe nobody's listening. Yeah. It'll happen eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> right, it'll happen. Somebody will get the idea. All right, let's move on. Our third and final movie tonight on Silver Screen Previews is Paradise City. Yeah, oh, there's a picture of John Travolta and Bruce Willis yet again. Uh, an R-rated action thriller directed by Chuck Russell. Where have you been, man? Uh, in theaters today on a limited basis, also on Voodoo and iTunes today. John Travolta, uh, Bruce Willis, Stephen Dorff. Ryan Swan must carve his way through a Hawaiian crime world to wreak vengeance on the kingpin who murdered his father. So here's a clip from Paradise City. Travolta and Steven Dorff in uh, Paradise City. All right, Kelly Cox, your uh, evaluation of this film. Man, what a pair, John Travolta and Bruce Willis, first of all. <laughs> um, which I respect. I respect the hell out of both of them. However, this movie was not for me. Um, the plot, I thought, was kind of all over the place. There were a couple of plot holes that didn't make a lot of sense. I thought the writing was pretty clunky, too. And all the dialogue felt really... The best way I can describe it is it felt really heavy. Um, right. Like, in the actor's delivery, mostly. Not specifically these two. But across the board, kind of. Like, you know, don't throw away your lines, for mm. sure. Get them out there. But, like... Sometimes we can pick it up a little bit. Sometimes we are just giving exposition, and we can just rattle things off a little bit. It doesn't all have to be so so much weight to every single line, because then it takes away from when you do want there to be extra weight. In the film, what was kind of supposed to, I think, be like the twist was pretty predictable, in my opinion. I kind of saw it coming from a mile away. You mean the drug-dealing um, situation? Mm-hmm. The cartel? Oh, boy. Oh. I've seen um, that before. Yeah, no, never. Totally brand new. This is a really specific complaint, but something about the whole color of this movie was driving me insane. It was like yellow or sepia tone in some spots, which is fine for a period piece, but this is modern day. and I. You don't like the PP color? You don't like that stuff? What the hell? I don't like the PP color. Well, if it is the 1940s, you can use sepia tone, but not when it is 2022. Not when it's mustard. Mustard yellow. Sorry, I confused it. Uh, with pee pee color, I just that's mustard yellow, folks. I'm sorry, continue. Mustard, I'm sorry, I forgot it was the 70s where everything was yellow and beige. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I just found the whole thing to be kind of boring to sit through. You mean you weren't um, hypnotized by the two leading actors who are bald? <laughs> I mean, that it would have been great if they both wore toupees uh, just to, like, throw the audiences off. That would have been awesome. Imagine Travolta with a toupee. Pay, I would pay so much money <laughs> to see them with the toupee. They don't even have to do the movie. They can just stand there. That's yeah. fine. Um, maybe, or 
even. Um, but yeah, it, unfortunately, even the, like even having these big names in in this film, it, it couldn't it couldn't save it. So this one this one was a thumbs down for me. Oh, Callie, oh, uh, you know, even if Bruce Willis would have worn his uh, moonlight moonlighting toupee, uh, it still would have failed. It's an utter disaster. I just, like some people were mentioning offline, uh, oh, they just took the job. They took the roles because they were going off on a vacation to Hawaii. They just wanted to take the trip. You know what? You may not be far from the truth there because I agree with a lot of that uh, concept. Why couldn't this movie have been done in 1998? You know? Instead of 2022. For real, yeah. <laughs> they only, you know what? They only appear in a few scenes together, which is the biggest colossal disaster of all. It's called false advertising when you're doing a movie. Terrible. Okay. Yes, I thought the same thing. I was. Mm, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm going to this movie thinking, oh my god, Travolta. <gasps> Could this be like uh, Face Off Part Two? Uh, only Bruce Willis is playing the the role of Nick Cage. <gasps> oh, I'm in. And no, of course not. It's totally the opposite of what I, what I was thinking. You know, you got to blame these producer guys who keep uh, clunking out these films one after another like there's like the world is coming to an end and of course, you know, you feel bad for Bruce Willis, but these these guys who are writing these scripts and stuff, you know, these direct-to-DVD or, or or streaming services, they are an abomination and a a what they say a tumor to the to the industry. I see it like that. Uh Cali Cox. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate because I like Hollywood is a business, and I totally understand that. And you got to make money, and sometimes, you know, the big names are what makes money, and and you do what you got to do. And I totally understand that. But also, at the end of the day, like, filmmaking is supposed to be an art. And and art can be a lot of different ways, but it it can't be haphazard and and rushed out and, like, pushed out after the first two drafts, you know, or first draft. Yeah, and uh, Blake Jenner is in this movie. Why? I want to know why. Why? Why? Why is he here to be uh, Bruce Willis's son? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? <laughs> Favors yeah. are exchanged. Money is exchanged. Blake Jenner all of a sudden is in the movie. Pff, wow. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm about about plot holes. Where yeah. you know, there, there's just some things that I'm kind of like, are you? minutes that I will not get back in my life. Although, Stephen Dorff actually stands out in this movie as the only real competent actor here. So give him credit. Yeah, yes. And Travolta. Agreed. Travolta looks like one of those thespians, you know, out on holiday, just enjoying the scenery here and there. Why am I here? Alright, just <laughs> thumbs down, as you would suspect for this movie, uh, Paradise City. If you want to check it out just for the for the, for the the goof, go check it out for yourself. I am not going to watch this movie again. I'm sorry. All right, let's let's do a recap of this week's films on silver screen previews. First, uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Callie, I thought this movie had a lot of heart. Um, it really is a nice for me. It was a nice continuation of what was established in, in the first Black Panther um, with the unfortunate passing of Chadwick Boseman. Letitia Wright really steps up her game um, in this movie and sort of assumes a larger role, which is really nice. Um, I would not recommend going to this movie without watching the first one. I just 
didn't say that before. I wanted to throw that out there. Um, but I think for both hardcore MCU fans and for casual fans, I think you'll enjoy it. So this was a thumbs up for me. All right, Callie gives it a thumbs up. I gave it a thumbs down because there is just too much CGI here to cloud the story, as a lot of these movies do. It's more about uh, visuals instead of substance, which is very shameful. And also the fact that they couldn't really expand on a story without having to mention Chadwick Boseman. They failed on expanding the story. Instead, they relied on his death and used it as a crutch. And I saw that as a very bad sign. Uh, and it's too long. The movie is too long. They could have edited better, you know, than the, what they have here. So thumbs down for myself. Uh, on our next film, The Friendship Game, Callie. This is certainly not a perfect movie, um, but you know there are a few hiccups in technical hiccups and some hiccups in the writing. But overall, I thought um, Pete List specifically, her performance was really good. Um, the actors really sold the script that they were given. They did a lot of heavy lifting. It kept me entertained for the 90 minutes or so. Tight 90, circling back from before. Uh, certainly a film that, you know, if you see it with a friend, you're going to have a lot to talk about afterwards. Um, so I enjoyed it. Thumbs up from me. Thumbs up for Callie. Uh, I gave it a uh, thumbs down as I thought they dropped the ball, uh, literally, because they relied too much on on friendship and all that stuff. When people, when they see this movie, like, I'm curious about the ball and all the crazy, gory things that the ball can do. And they didn't, they didn't expand on that, and they lost me as a viewer. So, unfortunately, a thumbs down, uh, which is really sad because Peyton List uh, tries really hard in this movie, and she's an up-and-coming actress. So, there you go. Our last and not least movie, which we just talked about, Paradise City, Callie Cox, Enlighten Us. Well, the mustard yellow tone of the screen, <laughs> the entire movie aside, the writing is clunky, the dialogue delivery is extremely heavy and weighted all the time, which makes it not effective when it should, when it needs to be. Um, didn't do this movie any favors, and for me, even though it's got some some big names in this uh, in the film, it just it couldn't hold my interest. So it was a miss for me. Thumbs down. I also gave it a thumbs down because we did not see the two pay versions of the leading actors of uh, John Travolta and, and Bruce Willis. On top of that, the uh, story in the script are DOA. It's a disaster. The only good thing here is Stephen Dorff. So, Stephen Dorff, continue to make movies, please. We enjoy you as an actor, a tremendous actor. It's just everybody else sucks, unfortunately. Uh, and the location, unfortunately, too, because I've seen Hawaii before, and uh, I want to see something else. I'm tired of Hawaiian Island. I'm sorry. Come at me. Please send me emails, whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Callie, please give us your social media coordinates before we get on out of here. All right. I am on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, all as at Callie J. Excellent. We will see you around the way, Callie. Thank you again for uh, joining us on this show. Thank you so much for having me back. We'll see you again soon. There you go. All right, catch us again uh, next Friday as we uh, preview three or four new movies with uh, co-host Heather Ladisseur. That'll be next Friday right here on Silver Screen Previews. Until then, I'm Rob Martin. On behalf of Callie Cox, the balcony is closed. Good night, everybody. See you. Have a great weekend now. Okay.